Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. How are you guys? Oh, come on. I know it's early service, so we haven't got as much coffee as probably the late service will have. But let me try that again. How are we doing this morning? All right. Well, my name's Chris, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And uh, we're so excited about Easter Sunday. So thankful that you're here with us. Uh, Easter means a, lot of, means a lot to a lot of different people, and it's important to people for different reasons. For, for people that are in retail, it's kind of a, another opportunity maybe to boost sales. For kids, Easter's important because, man, this, this morning they woke up and maybe got to go find an Easter basket or they're going to do some Easter egg hunts later in the day. And, and so, man, they're excited about it. I know my daughter was. Uh, for, for husbands, this is the, the day that your wife can buy a new dress and blame Jesus for it because, man, it's, you got Easter Sunday, got to have a, a new outfit. Uh, and, and so maybe, maybe if you're a, a son or a daughter, this is one of those Sundays, this one and maybe Mother's Day, that, that your mom can kind of talk you into coming to church with her. And so, man, Easter means a lot and is important to people for a lot of different reasons. But if you're a follower of Jesus, and and for many people, the reason that Easter is important is because it's the day that we celebrate an event that took place in history in the life of Jesus. And maybe for you, this Easter, you as you think about Easter, if you were honest, you find yourself maybe a little bit skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. Maybe for you, you were hurt by religion in the past. Maybe for you, you grew up in a home where uh, going to church and being religious was this kind of this list that you had to keep and it, all these boxes you had to check. And for you, when you think about Jesus and religion, it's just almost exhausting to think about. Maybe for you, you have seen some things that people that call themselves followers of Jesus have done and you've thought, man... If that's what people that say they're followers of Jesus has done, I don't, I don't really know if I want to be a part of it. Maybe if you're honest, you think, man, church people are just a little bit weird. And, and honestly, we've, we've earned that uh, sometimes. I mean, we, we've earned the, the weirdness uh, by some of the things that people do in the name of Jesus. Maybe for you, you you've tried to pray, and, and you tried to pray that one time, and and nothing seemed to happen. And maybe you wouldn't say it this way, but, but there's maybe been times in your life where you kind of thought God had let you down. Maybe for you, you've tried to ask some questions, maybe some big, hard questions about the Bible. And, and when you ask those questions, people told you, they, they almost made you feel guilty for asking them and, and, and just told you you needed to have more faith. And so for you on this Easter Sunday, maybe you're a little bit skeptical of this whole thing. And here's what I would say to you, despite all your unanswered questions, despite all the ridiculous stuff 
that people that say they're followers of Jesus have done throughout history that you would not be appreciate very much. Despite all of that, you should consider becoming a follower of Jesus today. And here's why. For most people, the reason that they're not followers of Jesus has nothing to do with who Jesus really was. And it it has nothing to do with what is really foundational to the movement of Jesus. See, the foundation of the, the movement of Jesus is all about an event that happened in history. And that event is the resurrection. And if Jesus rose from the dead... It trumps all of our questions. It validates everything that he said about life, about hope, about forgiveness. And so no matter what your maybe issue is with Jesus because of what you've seen done in in his name, today you should maybe consider once again, what would it be like to follow Jesus because the foundation of a relationship with Jesus is about an event. The resurrection. And, and we, don't, we don't believe in the resurrection because we, we hope it's true or because we want it to be true. We believe that Jesus rose from the grave because we, it happened in history. There was a man by the name of Matthew that saw this with his own eyes and he wrote about it. There was a man by the name of Mark who interviewed Peter, who was an eyewitness to Jesus' death and resurrection and and the whole thing, and and Mark wrote about it. There was a guy by the name of John who was the very first person, he was one of the first people to get to that empty tomb, and he wrote about it. There was a guy by the name of James who was actually the, the the brother of Jesus. And I mean, how legit would it have to be for for you to believe that your brother was the Savior? And James at first, in Jesus' ministry, James didn't didn't believe Jesus when he was doing his ministry and he thought his brother, man, it's like, this is hogwash what my brother is saying. But after James saw his brother raised from the dead, he believed. And then there was a guy by the name of Paul who was actually a huge opponent to Jesus. He was a huge opponent to Jesus' followers in that movement until he met the resurrected Jesus, and then it transformed him. And as these these men wrote their accounts of Jesus and what they had seen and the people they had interviewed, they wrote these things down, and, and the churches collected them and copied them and preserved them. And it's what became the New Testament. See, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead because eyewitnesses gave their lives. Not for what they believed, but for what they saw. They saw a resurrected Jesus Christ. And and this morning, we're going to look at part of one of those historical accounts One of these historical accounts, one of the narratives about this event that literally has divided time and has changed history in many of our lives. And and here's the thing. If this story 
that Jesus decided, if, if this was a story that, that people just kind of made up, if this was a story that Jesus' disciples made up, or if this was a story that people maybe a few years after Jesus was on earth kind of made up to keep the movement going, they would have wrote it a lot different than how it's written. Because as you read through the narratives of Jesus' life and his, his death and his resurrection, you find that the, the writers are very real in how they describe themselves. Mark describes himself on the night that Jesus was, was arrested and taken to be crucified. He said, man, I was so scared, I ran out of the garden without any clothes on. Man, I left my clothes and ran, I was so scared. Peter, as he's described on that night, he, he says, man, you know what? What I did, I denied even knowing Jesus. See, as these guys wrote about this, this story about Jesus, his death and his resurrection, as they wrote this narrative, they described themselves in very real ways. And they said, none of us were heroic. None of us stayed when Jesus needed us. No, none of our, none of the people that said they were so close to Jesus and so committed to Jesus hung out when he was being crucified. They all ran because here's the thing, the, the center of the message of Jesus and the movement of Jesus is Jesus himself. And so when Jesus died, no one believed the message. No one believed his claims. The movement died with him because he was the center of the movement and none of his followers stayed with him. And as they wrote these narratives, they said that. If, if they were making this stuff up, they would have wrote themselves in as heroes, but they didn't. They wrote themselves in as cowards that didn't believe, that gave up when Jesus died. John, one of the, the writers, as he writes the narrative about that first Easter morning, he says this in John chapter 20. He says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. In this kind of society, specifically in the first century, women had no credibility. They weren't even allowed to be a witness in court. They were considered unreliable. And so if, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John could have figured out a way to not write women into the story, they would have because it actually took credibility away from their story. But the reason they wrote that women were the first to the tomb was because women were the first to the tomb that first Sunday morning, that Easter morning. And it says, as Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, it says, she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And, and as she looked in, the, the stone is moved, and the body that was inside the tomb is gone. See, the person and movement that, that Mary and many others had followed was now, it was now over. They had been devastated. Their hopes had been destroyed. And now she looks in the tomb and the body is gone. And, and, and if Jesus was dead, why would someone risk their lives to keep a lie alive? Why would, why would somebody steal the body? 
She, she, she didn't understand. See, at this point, no one expected Jesus to rise from the dead as many times as he said it. And so it says this, so, so she, Mary, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. John, he's, he's talking about himself, he's, and it says this. She said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. See, at this point, nobody said, well, didn't Jesus say something about raising from the dead? Maybe that's an option. Maybe this is what happened. They had no clue. They weren't expecting it. Mary just comes and says, hey, Peter, John, I went to the tomb, and, and the body's gone. Somebody's taken the body. See, the people who brought us the story of the resurrection embarrassingly and honestly admit, none of us expected this. None of us saw this coming. And it says this in verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. This is kind of funny. John wants us to know that he's faster than Peter. He tells us, I'm the disciple Jesus loved, and I'm also faster than Peter. And he re- you see him, he repeats it several times. He wants to make sure that you 2,000 years later know that he can beat Peter in a race. And it says this, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who by the way was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who, by the way, reached the tomb first, also went inside. And then it says this, he saw and believed. He went into the tomb and he he saw that there was no body in there. And there was this moment where where the light bulb came on. I don't know if he remembered something Jesus had said before about how he would rise from the dead. But he saw that the body was gone and it says he believed. He believed. See, See, we are here because on that first Easter morning... When the women showed up to the tomb, Jesus' body was gone. See, we are here because a few days later, these cowards that the night Jesus was betrayed and arrested and then crucified, these cowards that ran a few days later boldly went out into the city of Jerusalem and proclaimed not what Jesus taught, but they proclaimed that Jesus has risen from the dead. See, the the foundation to the movement of Jesus isn't his parables. It's not his teaching. It's the fact that he died on a cross. They put his body in a grave and he rose from the grave and eyewitnesses saw the risen Savior. It's what gave the cowards from a few weeks earlier the boldness to go out and literally give their lives, not for something he taught, but for something they saw, a resurrected Jesus Christ. See, Jesus' followers, they didn't re-engage because of something Jesus taught. 
Jesus' followers re-engaged after the crucifixion when they found out Jesus was alive again because Jesus was the movement. Jesus was the message. The Apostle Paul writes a letter a few years later, and he sums it all up in 1 Corinthians 15. He says it this way. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I want to remind you of the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So Paul says, I I want to take this opportunity to remind you that you were once enslaved to a a religious system of legalism and trying to earn favor with God. You, You were enslaved by that. But then Jesus came and he died on the cross to give you freedom and to have a relationship with you. He rose from the grave and, and he says, I want to remind you of the good news. And then he says this in verse three, he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he, then he walks through the different people that saw Jesus alive. Just a few of them he walks through. He says, and then he appeared to Cephas, who's Peter. And then he appeared to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. He says, man, he appeared to Peter, then he appeared to the the 12, and then he appeared to a group of 500 people. And here's what Paul says. Yes, some of them have passed away, but a lot of them are still alive. So don't take my word for it. Go ask them. Like, like he appeared to them and they're, they're still alive. You can go talk to them. You can go ask them what they saw. And then it says this, then he appeared to James. Imagine that. I, this is his brother. He appeared to his brother. And then he says this, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me. Paul's talking about himself. As to one abnormally born. Basically, Paul's saying, compared to the other apostles, man, I'm, I'm not even in their league. But he still appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He says, man, yeah, the other apostles, they were cowards, but they didn't do what I did. They didn't kill Christians. They didn't break up families. They didn't hurt people because they were following Jesus. They didn't do what I did, but, but Jesus, the risen Jesus, still appeared to me. And that's what transformed me. That's what turned me from going one way to another way because of what I saw, a risen Jesus. And, and do you know, as you, as you think about this on Easter, do, I mean, how significant this is for us. It means that no matter how bad your church experience was, it means no matter what you've seen done in the name of Jesus that you consider really crazy, and it probably is crazy, no matter what your past is, 
no matter what unanswered questions you might have about the Bible, no matter what all of those things are, because of what Paul saw, because of what Peter saw, because of the risen Savior, it's the reason that you should give following Jesus another run. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it means we can trust what he said. It means that despite knowing every rebellion, every sin, everything that we've done that we're ashamed of, despite knowing all of that, Jesus took our punishment on the cross. And when he walked out of the grave on that Sunday morning, the debt was paid. It is finished, was written across all of humanity. Everything was taken care of so that you and I could have a relationship with God. And maybe you push back. Maybe you push back a little bit and you say, but, but Chris, you don't know what I've done. You don't know about my past. And, and here's the thing. You can't out the cross. You, you can't out There's not a, a sin or two sins that it's like, well, Jesus took care of everything else, but there's a couple ones that he just wasn't powerful enough to die for. He took care of them all. And in fact, Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way, it is by grace you have been saved through faith or trust. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. You, you can't earn a gift. And salvation and a relationship with Jesus is a gift. It's a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Paul, as he's writing, he says, this salvation, it's, it's free. The, the bill's already been paid. It's been taken care of. You, you can't work your way into a relationship with God any more than you can work your way out of a relationship with God. The gift of salvation is free. It's not by works. We just need to say yes. See, the resurrection punctuated the point of the crucifixion, and that is the forgiveness of sin. But it goes farther than just forgiveness of sin. If you're a Jesus follower, that your faith and hope is in the fact that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So not only is forgiveness for sin available to us through Jesus and what he did on the cross, but, but when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, basically what he was saying is death has been defeated. And Jesus has the final say. So one day, not only do we have forgiveness today, not only do we have hope today, but because of the resurrection of Jesus, one day we have an opportunity to spend forever with God in heaven. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but simply because he loved us and sacrificed himself for our sin. It's why in spite of being hurt by religion, in spite of your questions about the Bible, you should consider following Jesus. Because the, the bottom line, the, the big question that you and I have to ask ourselves that the whole thing rides on is simply this. Is Jesus 
alive. Is Jesus alive? And if Jesus is alive, it validates what he said. And it has huge ramifications on our lives and on eternity. The band's going to come right now and they're going to sing a song. And while they're singing the song, we're going to get an opportunity to see some of the ways that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has transformed the lives of people. Would you bow your head with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, Easter is a day that we celebrate a historical event that happened in history a couple thousand years ago. Jesus, God's Son, He came to earth. He lived a sinless life. And at the age of 33, He died on the cross. He shed His blood. Not for His own sin, not because He deserved it, but because we deserved it. Because we had earned it. But He loved us so much, He wanted to take care of the penalty for sin so we could have a relationship with Him. And He did this because He loves us. If you're here today and you want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. What better day than Easter Sunday to say, today's the day I want to follow Jesus. Doesn't mean you have to have every question answered. Doesn't mean that that you have to have all the answers, but it it simply means I, I believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave, and because of that, I want to follow him. With every head bowed and every eye closed as you're sitting there in your seat. If you're here this morning and you'd say, today's the day I want to follow Jesus. You can do that right now. You say, Chris, how how do I do that? Do I have to join a church? Do I have to give some money? What do I have to do? None of that. You just have to tell God. We, We tell God what we believe in our heart by praying. And so in the quietness of this room, if you're here this morning and you'd say, today's the day that I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Just in the quietness of this room, right in your heart, not out loud, just tell God something like this. Just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I admit to you that I've tried to do things my way. Just tell him right now. And then just tell him, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die and raise from the dead for me. Just tell him. And then just call out to him. Just say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want a relationship with you today. Just tell him. Maybe you're here and you you prayed with me as I did that. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, I I didn't pray, but man, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Chris, would you just go through that one more time? Absolutely. Just in the quietness of your heart, just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've, I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. I've tried to do things my way. Then just tell him, tell him, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. 
And then just ask God to come into your life. Say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want a relationship with you today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking around. If you're here this morning and you would say, Chris, this morning I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. This morning I prayed to start a relationship with God. With nobody looking around, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, Chris, today I asked Jesus to save me. Anybody else? I see a few hands. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Say, today's the day. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus, and there were several of you, and we, we want to celebrate with you. We're so excited about that decision. And you can help us celebrate with you by, by doing one thing. Would you fill out that decision card that's right in front of you? It's in the pew right in front of you. It's a decision card. You just put a little information there and then you can drop it in the offering box on the way out or you can drop it at the next steps table. And we'll just call you this week. We're not going to bug you. We just want to call you and celebrate with you and see if there's anything we can do to help you. And so would you do that? If you made a decision today, would you take that card? Would you fill that out? If you prefer a digital card, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a card right there at citywalk.cc that you can fill out and we'll get that card as well. And, and when you fill that out, it just allows us to know about the decision you made and it gives us the opportunity to celebrate with you. And so if you would do that, we would greatly appreciate that. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for the fact that you loved us so much that in spite of our sin, in spite of our going our own way, you came. You lived the life we couldn't live. You lived a perfect life. You died the death we should have died. And 2,000 years ago on Sunday morning when they went to the tomb, you were gone because you rose from the grave. And because you rose from the grave, we have hope beyond this life. But we also have hope in this life. And so, God, I pray that we would never forget the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.